G'day guys, it is The Coach here and we are talking all things knife ears, but more importantly, we are talking all things Lumineth Realm Lords. Is that like a, a cultural insult, Hayden? Have I just insulted <laughs> you straight off the bat by calling you a knife ear? Because I'm a Gits player and back in the day, the goblins used to fear high elves. So maybe that's a bit of intimidation coming out of me. Uh, I'm okay being a dirty knife ear. It's okay. All right. It's okay. Well... <laughs> We, are, we have here got the elf bro, the elf bro, elf bro uh, himself. Hayden is a friend of the channel. You have done uh, a number of videos with me and probably the most popular of my Lumineth Realm Lords videos we did like literally 12 months ago when the book just dropped. Um, it was so limited. I didn't even have a copy of the Battle Tome back then because it was stuck in that little box. So I was making stuff up. You were obviously telling me. <laughs> But um, we're back. We're back. But most importantly, because we have a second book, mate. Who yeah. knew we we're going to get an updated book uh, so soon? The second half of the book <laughs> makes me uh, makes me believe that maybe Gargans are going to get another four War Scrolls in an updated book in the next twelve <laughs> months. But um, we are talking Lumineth. You know, anyone who is interested in Lumineth, maybe you picked up the the original. Um, starter box with you know your dawn riders and your sentinels and your wardens and you know like you you started building out a force that was mostly based around what 10 models at most you didn't have a yeah. big selection and then you know not long ago you guys have like literally doubled your roster so i'm here with hayden to talk a bit about that doubling of the roster see how his opinions have changed and um and how he's now thinking about Lumineth. And we're also going to have a second show with Jordan from Seasons of War. So we're going to have two polarizing, potentially uh, opposite, or who knows what they, the guy's going to discuss. So you should get a good good sense of of how people are thinking about Lumineth now. But maybe before we get into that, Hayden, you want to say anything? Welcome, g'day, hello. It's been a bit. Uh, I think last time I was here, I was talking about green skins. Uh, so it's good to be back talking about knife ears. Um, but it, they, these guys are my my pride and joy. They are the, the army in my heart. So it, it's good to see them get a second half of this book and get them back on the table again. What were your thoughts on the the second book, right? Because I I can I can appreciate why they got the second book, and I don't want to I don't want to harp on it too much, right? But your roster has literally doubled. You know, when we first talked, it was all about like Techless, the Cathalar. You know, you had some endless spells. Yeah. You know, you had a, a bunch of troops. There was no hero for the Dawn Riders. All of a sudden, you got all these cool characters. All of a sudden, you got a terrain piece. All of a yeah. sudden, you've got all this extra stuff like Severeth and even the Bolt Thrower, which kind of felt a bit weird having a, a like a high elf equivalent without a Bolt Thrower. But here we are. Yeah. Roster is literally doubled. Like, what was your take and how are you feeling now about Lumineth? So... Obviously, we know the giant global bastard's been going on for the last 12, 18 months. Um, so when that book dropped, it really felt like it was only half a book. So for when this one to drop, it it left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth that we had to pay 70-odd dollars for the other half of a book that sh should have been dropped at the one time. But at the same time, you look at it and go, well, the world was in a place where stuff was going on, books getting printed, models getting stuck in places, and they wanted to get them out to people. So I guess it is what it is. Um, but it's good to have the second half 
That's they're feeling a lot like Stormcast right now, though, in the fact it's just open another chamber, open another chamber. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Tyrion side of stuff, hopefully in the near future, um, a little bit down the line. Um, we're getting teasers of him. There's like statues of him in some of the new kits, which is awesome to see. Um, but it like it's like there's Vanguard Chamber, Extremist Chamber, whatever. We're gonna we're gonna see the water guys. We're gonna see the the Zenith guys, or whatever it is, and it's gonna be a hoot. So, I think I think what's really cool about it is that you know that this is an army that that the company is going to re- reinvest in, and you know you're going to be able to see an, a greater expansion. My take on the second battle tome is. Uh, and, and this is not an official answer, but I think Chapter House, which was a, a very famous lawsuit suit that Games Workshop was in in the early 2000s, I think that played a significant part because back in the day, you know, back in Warhammer Fantasy Battles, they would talk about things that would get models years later. And then Chapter House came around, they started creating models, and because there was no model for the IP, the Chapter yeah. House actually went against Games Workshop, and it meant that um, that's why they're really protective now. If I'm not showing, yeah, exactly. I'm not releasing. So I, th- I think there's part of that. But I can fully appreciate for anyone who's a Lumineth player, you bought a book, maybe a limited edition book, and now you're like 12 months later, oh, crap, that book is now invalid. Yes, you can Broken Realms it and all that stuff, and I can fully appreciate that. But, but as a Gargan player, the same as a, uh, as a battle I'll, pay for a sec- <laughs> I'll pay for a second battle time if I get more Gargans or I get yeah, more gifts. So, so I, I can fully appreciate where you're coming from. But are you are you excited about the new models? You know, you've gotten oh, yeah. um, so oh, yeah. many new they- heroes. You've got the Battle Standard Bearer guy. You've got, yeah. you know, um, the twins. You've got... Um, like you've got the law seeker, you've got the the um, the but, terrain piece. That terrain piece is off the charts. I didn't think yeah. you would get a terrain piece. Yeah, that that thing is so big. It is so so big, and, but it's very pretty as well. And that and that's the thing. Like all these elf models are all gorgeous models and really really well designed. Um, and all the new stuff really plugs a lot of holes and a lot of weaknesses that were missing from that first half so it now feels like a complete book i think when we talked as well like you were talking about dawn riders and i think we we had talked 12 months ago about the fact that you didn't really have a hero to support dawn riders they kind of just ran off and did their own thing while everything else kind of slow moved so um it's yeah it's it's i was really excited to see the roster expansion yeah so it's been a lot of thinking and a lot of list building and a lot of money out of my wallet. <laughs> how how has yeah. it changed your list design? Like, like we're going to obviously talk about a couple of your lists and go through yeah. the rules and things, but like, how has it changed your thinking? Right, because you know, if we go back to the early days of um, of the the first book reviews, you know, we had you know Liam talked about lists about, based around the battle cattle or the beefer of secrets, as we might have called it. Um, you know, a lot of people have just doubled down on the wardens and sentinels and maybe either had techless or no techless cathalar. Yeah. You know, you know, we had this very tra- traditional build, but now, yeah. as you said, we've unlocked. How has it changed the way you're thinking and designing? Um, personally, it's changed a lot of mine. Um, I've been really playing with lists that are away from that kind of standard Netlist that we've been seeing going around and doing really well. Uh, I've been wanting to try and do something different. Um, so having a whole bunch of new models to play with 
is really opened up my list building and having fun with more models that I really enjoy the look of. Like the Blade Lords are some of the prettiest models that I've seen in this range, and they're probably my favourite model in this range now. Um, they're just such cool models, and I was a big fan of Swordmasters back in Warhammer Fantasy days. So for me to go, cool, I have Swordmasters again, they're generally going in a lot of my list building, even though yeah, they're, I- yeah. I've seen that, you know, people who used to run bolt throwers have now got an equivalent. I've seen people like you who have gone, yep, yeah, cool. I really loved my, uh, my, my sword masters. I loved, you know, particular elements. Um, so it's cool to see that being brought back and I'm sure Tyrion, when he eventually comes, will unlock even more and who knows, yeah. maybe dragons come back again. Yeah. We'll, we'll wait and see, I guess. Uh, see what happens, see what we get. Well, this is what you got, right? And, um, you know, for anyone who hasn't watched this, we'll go a little bit over the Allegiance abilities. See that smooth transition? That's like pure professional content creator right there. I was just like, smooth. (laughs) Um, But um, so, you know, how has your Allegiance abilities or obviously your your Allegiance ability hasn't changed, right? So uh, between book one and book two, nothing has changed here from the Aether Quartz Reserve, the, the Lightning Reflexes and all that, right? But how has your thinking changed? Because, again, back in the day, it was Warden Sentinels, Dawn Riders, and a couple of heroes. Have And it was probably more about magic before, right? It was about Teclas, about the Cathalar. It was really yeah. magic heavy. Yeah. Is that still true to you when you're looking at your lists, or are some of these reserves maybe being more incentivized now with certain, certain of the new units? So I remember last time we talked, I was all about Zytrek. So I was all about magic and all that kind of jazz then. Um, that was really before I played a lot of games with them. Um, having played a few games with them, I dropped Zytrek straight away. Um, a lot of the times, especially with Aether Quartz, you find a really good use, and there's there's so much utility with it. You use everything. Um, I'm generally not using the plus one to hit. I'm generally using plus one save, especially on my Stone Guard. Um, plus one save, ignoring rend one or two. So being on a three-up save is amazing, and it just helps there. Uh, and then you've got the Magical Boost and the Magical Insight, which especially the Magical Insight in one of the lists that we're going to go through is really important. Um, magical Boost is really, really good. It's like, oh, I'm getting oh, – that didn't go off. Okay, I'm going to get a, give it plus one. Or it went off, but it, I don't, I'm not confident in it. I can give it that plus one. Or you can just re-roll it. It's, it's such a good utility piece, the Aether Quartz, um, like, like the Aether Golden KO. They're just, it's, the utility's there, and it's great. Yeah, I, I would probably, I remember, you know, I think I even talked to Martin Orlando and, you know, I had Liam. We did a couple of shows, right? And I think Magical Boost and Magical Insight, getting the additional cast, the spell to cast, or the additional plus one to the casting role, all the re-roll, it was very heavy towards that, right? You know, get that yeah. umbral spell portal up, get those um, particular endless spells, especially if you didn't have Teclas doing his auto-casting or you wanted yeah, to get exactly. more out of your troops, right? Um, yeah. But I feel like now more than ever, heightened reflexes and even heightened senses has more reason to play, um, and there isn't as many auto-decisions to just go down a magical supremacy. Yeah, Exactly. What, what about some of the other pieces, you know, your lightning reflexes and your absorbed despair? Has that changed as all? Like, are you always taking the Cathalar to to um, to do the flip on the Aether Quartz abilities? Are you... Um, so 
I that I try to take a catalog where possible. Um, there should still be an auto include if you are running a lot of wardens and sentinels because they're your protection against it. Because you realistically, your bravery six, bravery seven, you're not really confident if you lose a few models of keeping that unit around. Um, so the Cathalar is still really, really good. Um, but there are lists that I don't put one in. Um, especially if I'm running, say, a whole bunch of uh, Hurricane Wind Riders, uh, Wind Chargers or Dawn Riders, because the Cathalar can't keep up. Mm. So there's no reason for me to have him in there and have him sitting at the back not able to keep up and then everything else just running around. So you there I'm better off taking... Uh, say, uh, oh, keep, keep forgetting his name, the named Lord Regent, and just generating the extra CP with him and then use the Inspiring Presence instead of... Uh, and, I, and I was yeah. going to say, obviously, we are in the cusp of... If you're watching this live or if you're watching this... Um, not live, but like if you're watching this very early on from its release, um, we are on the cusp of AOS 3. So who knows if Inspiring Presence is going to change and what it looks like. And, you know, not having the, the CP to be able to just automatically get someone to pass uh, Battleshock might actually mean that the Cathalar is going to be even more powerful because you don't have that that automatic resource. So, you know, yeah, keep that in exactly. mind when you listen to this discussion. This is an AOS 2 discussion, but we're being flexible enough within our rules to, to I guess, anticipate AOS 3. Um, and really, you know, this is all about not the perfect internet list, but rather how do you tap into the allegiance abilities and the sub-allegiance abilities to the unit selection and the list choices? Because points are going to go yeah. up, points are going to go down, but what's going to be consistent is the core of a list. Yeah, that's it. Um, also, lightning reactions is amazing. Well, I know we've probably we said that last time, um, but it's so far ahead of a lot of things that, people are getting in allegiance abilities, the fact that you can just go, cool, I'm going to pick two units to fight. And Talk then... to me about why. Talk to me about why. Because when we caught up last time, it would have been theory, right? Like, yeah, cool. Um, when it's my turn to fight, I get to pick two units instead of one. And, yeah. you know, you mentioned, you know, we uh, it was very early on, right? We were still building our lists. We were, you know, you've gone to tournaments now, um, you know, very fortunate in Australia to have tournaments um, in, the, in the pandemic. But you've now had this ability to practice this. What makes what makes this awesome in your opinion? It makes your opponent have to make a decision, which is the part that I found about it, is that they know that you you can pick two. So you can pretty much go, okay, well, I'm going to go here and I'm going to go here. And then they have to go, okay, well, out of those two units, which one, like if you're in combat and they're picking, which one am I going to go with before, so they can fight and I know this other unit won't be able to get to hit? And it, it forces decision-making. And when you're forcing your opponent to make a decision, they can make mistakes, and that's where you can capitalise on that. So, No, it's good. I know as an opponent, when I've gone into a Luminef, I'm really thinking about my units, and I'm thinking, can my army or my unit that I'm charging into combat, can it handle two sets of attacks, and what's the attrition going to look like so that when I do fight back, it's a fair trade-off? You know, I'm not yeah. going to throw something into to my opponent um, and let you fight twice, or I'm going to try to position my unit in such a way that I'm only allowing you to fight with one unit. So, you know, with smart play on your side, Hayden, you could really force an opponent to almost like crab-like across the board just to avoid dragging in that second unit in combat. Yeah, exactly. No. 
that's just the way I've been thinking about this rules as an opponent and like, right, can I handle it? And I think that's yeah. the, that's the danger. But one thing that we didn't talk about last time is this thing, the shrine, the, I was going to call it the yes. loon shrine for a second. I almost called it a loon shrine. My goblin came out again. <laughs> but you've you've got this whole new terrain piece that, again, one surprised me. I didn't think you'd get a terrain piece. Yeah. But it's a really big model, and it's got some really interesting rules. Um, yes. <laughs> from your side, yeah. So from your side of the fence, like, what have you what have you experienced since this has come about, and what parts of the rules have really been helpful to you? Um. This thing is phenomenal. It is one of the best faction terrain pieces that, rules-wise, that has been put out. Well, I'm glad um, Lumineth got the best faction terrain. Ever. I know, right? It, That's it, great. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, <laughs> the fact that you get, uh, what, a free canned ability per turn, not per battle round, per turn, is just, yeah, right, okay. Because um, it's, like, cool. I get a... Uh, a free hundred points of battle round, realistically, because you know that you're getting a command point for that. So you just like every turn, bang, fifty points on the board. Um, the re-rolling, casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls per turn, as well. And then that is what within twelve, and then that doubles to twenty-four when you're when you've got a shrine guiding in there. Sweet. It and then you garrison it in as well. So say you've put put a, a caster in there and then you can use protection of teclas or oh, sorry a protection of hitch and then you're measuring your bubble from the outside of the shrine instead of the 32 mil base that that hero's on it there's a lot that you can use it for um it's such a pretty model too um which is something that i yeah I love I, it. I look. I look forward to destroying one with a gatebreaker, Mega Gargant. Um, two plus yeah, is going to look sweet, but I've got to get to it first, right? Yeah, I can't wait for Severeth to go in the mirror match and just each person destroying each other's terrain on a two up. <laughs> so you know, like, has this influenced your list design, right? Like, has this now yes. making you think about bringing in something with a Shrine Guardian, or are you thinking now about? you know, always having a wizard that's going to sit on top of the, the garrison essentially and extend the range. Are you like, how, how are you thinking about that from a list tech point of view? Personally, I have been, um, I've been putting in, uh, the, like, uh, Caligrave or a banner blade and they sit in that because I don't care where they go on the table. Um, especially in a lot of the lists that I'm, uh, building, the command abilities are board wide. So it doesn't matter where who uses it, it's just cool. They use it. This can do this, and they're getting it for free, and they're sitting in they're sitting in the shrine. So, so you're you're trying to tap into some of those more uh, table wide abilities, but getting yeah. the, the re reroll one casting, dispelling, or unbinding. Um, that's it, within twelve. Yeah, it's nice, but I'm not really using it in some of my lists because a lot of my lists have. In, like, because I'm using twin stones in a lot of my lists now, having that reroll isn't as prevalent because I'm getting like plus four to cast a lot of the time, and spells are just going off, so it's nice. So, what what part of it is being the incentive? The free command ability per turn. Right. Okay. So it's the yeah. CP generation, it's and again, CP. we don't know we don't know what's coming with CPs and reactions oh, and all that, that stuff. But 
the thing with it is the wording is you can use a command ability without using a command point. So regardless of having a command point or not, you can use a command ability. Mm. That's the big one. So even if there are all the changes in the room of changes that, changes that are happening, you can still use a command ability without a command point. So probably thinking about things like your looking at maybe whoever's going to sit on top of this this terrain piece is going to need um, some generic command abilities or a war scroll ability yeah. that has the, a generous range, probably, I yeah. imagine. Because if you put, like, a generic hero um, and you like you, know, you want to reroll ones to save in combat, if it's not your general, it's a six-inch range that is not yeah. that useful on top of the terrain piece. But when you start looking at something that might have a, a, a command ability range where you pick a model within 18 or 24, um all of a sudden now that you know that becomes really valuable so i guess deciding who's going to sit on top of it and how you want it to to really use it is going to be critical yeah and you look at the great nation uh command abilities as well and there's a couple in there that have some uh some board wide abilities which are a little spicy yeah, we better not be talking about the. So I know we've got two lists here, and we're actually going to look at two of the great nations. Before we get into the great nations, and we look at um, aluminium. No, it's aluminia. Um, <laughs> before we look at our aluminia, how do you feel about all of the great nations now? Do you think that all of them are, are relatively equal from a list tech point of view? Do you think that some are stronger than others? Because I know from my emerging yeah. meta series. I'm seeing Sire and is it Iliath? No, what's the other one? There's another one. There's like there's like two of them that are really popular and yeah. uh, Aluminia is really like rocketing up. It's becoming more yeah. Aluminia is really popular. Uh, Sire is still a standout. Yeah, that, that, that's number one. Sire is number yeah. one. Sire with its command ability, it's number one, and it's still number one. Um, Illumina's really good. Uh, I still like Eumetrica personally. The Ignoring Ren 2 is really, really good. Um, Zytrek, yeah, the extra spell is nice and the plus one to cast is nice. But in in the world of uh, Darkfire Demon Rift, Zytrek hurts. You uh. get punished because you're relying on being super magic heavy. The minute you're super magic heavy and there's a demon rift around, you're in deep doo-doo if you don't have Teclas. Um, yeah, and, and it might be worth calling out that if you are playing Lumineth, you are in a good position to be playing top tables, right? If you're at a tournament, and which yeah. means you're going to be up against KO. It's going to mean you're up against Seraphon and Zench. That was what I was trying to get out of my yeah. mouth. I said Seraphon, but I was also – but which is true. Like yeah. you'll be playing with Croak and friends. Um, who yeah. knows what new Croak's going to look like, but you're also going to be looking at – um, about your Zench and your Dark Fire Demon Ruth coming out. Yeah. So, like, Zytrek's still really good. It's just got a, a few really hard counters out there. Um, with this new stuff, I think uh, Ilya is going to get more of a look, um, especially depending on what goes on with the new edition. Um, I think you may see a lot more Ilya once the new edition drops, just for what? it. Because yeah. it has a lot of inbuilt um, reroll ones to hit or reroll ones to wound. Um, and using multiple command abilities for one CP and stuff like that. And you don't have to use a hero to use these command abilities. They can be used from units. So that, 
that is really good. But at this stage in AOS 2, where we are right now, um, Sire is still the one to go to. And Helon's really good as well. Yeah. Hel- and, we, and we'll talk we'll, we'll talk more Sire. That's, you know, spoiler alert here. We are going to talk a Sire list next. Yeah. Um, so we won't go too much into that because we've got um, Aluminia first. But it, I just wanted to hear your thoughts around where are the yeah. great nations at? I know as a City of Sigma player, I could tell you there's probably five, four out of the seven that are very strong playable from the original book. Um, and sometimes the meta shift and, and one will become better than others. But, yeah, exactly. um, yeah, Sire definitely is. And it's interesting that uh, Alumia. Uh, Alumina. <laughs> I keep wanting to say al- Aluminium. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's just talk about the rules and, and stop yeah. me talking about the, the wrong name. Um, it's just mental stuck in my head. <laughs> so you've got four things, right? You know, you've got your ability, which is claim the field. Um, you've got, you know, your burning gaze. You've got your seize the moment and you've got an artifact, the waste stone. When you yeah. look at some of these things you're going to get, are are all of them important to your list tech that we're about to see? Um, what have we got? You know, after armies are set up yeah. for the first battle round, three of the Venari or the um, Scenari. Scenari um, can yeah. uh, can can make a normal move but can't run. So a bit of yeah. a uh, it's a pretty cool little thing. Yeah. Um, start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy within three of the general on a two plus. It suffers a mortal wound. I don't imagine that is uh, well. I, I don't imagine that deep in your list tech. But you know, you've got some things right, like. Yeah. It, are all four of these important to your list tech? One thing no, you kind of tap only, into more than the, others? Only the ability and the command ability. They're the only things I really tap into. Um, I fell in love with these guys for narrative reasons, um, but the abilities, um, especially with the list that we're going to go through, um, these play really well into the list that I've written. Um, one thing to remember, and it came up in the Lumineth, uh, Discord chat yesterday is that the pre it is a pre-game move and it's before first turn is chosen. So you have to move before whoever decides first turn chooses first turn. That is because the, uh, the rule is after armies have set up. So we've both set up, but before anything happens, so before the first battle round begins, why is that important, Hayden? Because if you move afterwards, it then will cha- can potentially change the decision of whoever is taking first turn. So I can go, cool, I'm going to take first turn and say you've forgotten and go, oh, I want to move my, oh, I forgot to do my move. You then really should give them the choice again of going, well, you know, do you want to take first turn or not? Because especially with its Venari, Scanari units. So you've got Dawn Riders in that. You've got... Blade Lords, you've got Wardens, you've got Sentinels, you've got um, Lord Regents, you've got all of the like non-elemental stuff and your mages can move. That also includes the Twins because they have both keywords. Mm. Good. Uh, and then you seize the moment was another thing you're thinking yeah. about. The command and, and ability that's the that... Board-wide. <laughs> doesn't, you can choose this command ability in your, in your charge phase. If you do so, pick one friendly um, Illumina uh, unit uh, uh, that, that, ran uh, that, that ran this turn. That unit can charge in the charge phase. So, yeah. Um, Sweet. <laughs> no ranges, no nothing. Cool. 
Yeah, that that yeah, that makes a lot of sense because obviously we know that if you're sitting on the terrain piece, you you can spend, you can use a free I guess a free command ability by tapping into that, for example, which has no range. Uh, it means it's it's a table wide ability. So okay, yep. cool. I'm starting to see some of the list tech that you're thinking about here. Yep. So we've got our first list, which is um, so we've got our yep. our wind mage. We've got a Venari Lord Regent. Sorry, the Wind Mage has the Waystone as well as yep. the spell of Transporting Vortex. Yep. Your uh, your Lord Regent ha- is the General with Burning Gaze, which is coming from the um, the uh, Allegiance ability. Um, you've got the Sahari um, Pommel. You've got the yep. Ethereal Blessing, uh, which is the Law of Hish. You've also got Severeth, which is the named Foxy Fox, yep. um, as well as the Caligrave which has got yep. protection of Hish. Then you've got five Dawn Riders, 10 Dawn Riders, five Dawn Riders, 20 Wardens, 10 Wardens, 10 Stone Guard. Obviously, there's a bunch of spells there, whether it's Soul of Flare, Speed of Hish, Lambient Light. Um, you've also got an artillery. You've got the Ballista. Cool. Interested to hear how you're thinking and using the Ballista. I haven't really yep. seen it on the table yet. Uh, you got yourself a Dawn, the Dawn Rider Lance as well as the... The Sacred. The Sactum, the Sactum yeah. Endless Spell. Which one's that one? That's the, is that the that's stone? That's the Surroundy one. Oh, it's the Surroundy Stone. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, and that's coming in at 1980 currently. So yeah. take us through, man. There's so many and there's so many things yeah. here in this list that I have not experienced yet. Yeah. So like I said before, I, I like taking lists that are outside the box because um, it's a bit of fun and I like to do stuff a little bit differently. Um so Wind Mage, who is the general, the t- transporting vortex is a teleport. Nine inches away, anywhere on the table. Um, then you've got the Lord Regent. So Lord Regent is generally who you're going to put the Sanctum on because the Sanctum then becomes his War Scroll and then the war- the Sanctum moves with him. Um, from there, you've got um, Severeth. Severeth obviously has all these movement shenanigans, can destroy terrain pieces, put speed of hitch on him he's moving 48 inches he's a good threat table wide and he ties in with the ballista for me so how 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 is how are these two tying together this is is some list tech i haven't heard about yeah so the ballista has an ability which is if you have a hero sorry a hero can pick a unit within 24 of him and then a ballista within 24 of the hero can then get plus one to hit against whatever unit they pick. So yeah, your right. list is then hitting on twos. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I haven't... Yeah. Okay. So it's good It's good for picking off five-wing characters because then you've got three shots, hitting on twos, winning on threes, run two for D3. Because I haven't heard a lot of people actually using the Ballista. That's something that I haven't yeah, quite seen they're, yet. And... They're super, they can be super swingy. Um, yeah. But I do enjoy the um, the fact that you can threaten stuff on the other side of the board, like those five wound heroes, without Severeth having to go into them. Yeah. Um, so Severeth can pick off one five wound hero, and the uh, Blister can try and threaten another five wound hero, and you just try to take off multiple targets at once because. Like, like everything in AOS 2 at the moment, if you take out support heroes, you're generally looking at winning the game and by denying your opponent the ability to, to do stuff. Um, 
there, other than that, there's not really much shooting in the list. I don't like taking shooting lists with Sentinels because that seems to be the the list to take is the Sentinel lists. Um, Dawn Riders are my favorite, another one of my favorite models in the range. Um, they're so underused and they're fantastic against skinks. Can, can we talk a little bit a little bit more about Sethroth at the moment? Because I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. this is one of the few units that people are really obsessed with, or at least loving or hating, depending on if you're a player yes. or an opponent, right? Yes. Um, so I guess a couple of questions that I've got around something like Severith, right? So one, Severith's a named character where we also have a non-named version. I can't remember what the, the yeah. unit name is. Um, but why would I go Severith as opposed to the, the generic fox? Uh, Severeth destroys terrain. So on a two-up, he can destroy a piece of faction terrain. Uh, he... I can't... I don't think the other generic one gets the move in the shooting phase. Yeah. From memory. Um, he, he's just... He seems... For 50 points, he just gets that extra bit that is worth it to me. And especially because the generic ones aren't heroes either. The ability to put a hero on the other side of the table is huge. I think that was one of the surprises for me, actually, when I, when I was looking at it. I think I was thinking, because it's much like the, the Beefer of Secrets, without the, without the named um, um, mountain, um, I've forgotten all their names all of a sudden. The... It's battle, too late for me today. Battle, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like, but that's not a hero either. Like, if you take the generic yeah, the, battle cattle, it's not, um, it's not uh, a hero, which kind of surprised yeah. me. And I think, um, the, if the silly thing is, is that the spirit of the wind isn't even a behemoth either. So you can take multiple, and it not be a problem. Two hundred fifty points, and you can take as many as you want realistically. So they don't bracket. There's none of that. They heal. They got a five up shrug. They've only got a five up save though. So they are made of paper generally. Um, yeah, the generic one can get the free move. Like at the end of yeah. the shooting phase, it makes the normal oh, yeah. move, but it doesn't have the terrain destruction. Um, so it's a nice little support hero. But I could see the incentive for paying the extra fifty points to get Severeth. Um, yeah, I, I like the fact he's a hero, especially with the missions that require having heroes on objectives or getting bonuses for having heroes near objectives um i find that's the better part for me also the fact that he is such a polarizing model um he then becomes a target because people see him and then go okay i need to kill him even though the real damage is in the dawn riders in this list yeah <laughs> so. I, and I've, yeah and then the and the Ability, yeah, the, just the, the pure speed of this model, I think people are really concerned about it because, I mean, it's zipping around the board constantly, right? So for you to hold an objective and, you know, like like normally I can move off an objective and normally I've got the speed to get back to it if you start, you know, winning the momentum, right? But if you can just li literally zip around the board and steal an objective, especially for something like Scorched Earth, for example. Like, that's a real threat. Yeah. You're able to zip around quickly and start burning my objectives yeah. um, as you start stretching me around. And it's it's not that expensive that um, it's a huge tax to your army to have this up your sleeve. Yeah, that's it. So um, he's he's quite good. Um, but he all the hype around him and what was wrong with him was that people were worried you're not going to be able to catch him in combat and then Manfred happened. <laughs> 
So if, so, I'm, if, if I'm an opponent, right, if I'm an opponent listening to this show, um, thanks for listening, guys. Um, if you're a Luminef fan, awesome as well. But um, if, you, if I'm an opponent, right, like how do I handle Severeth? Because I think a lot of people in the outside of the Lumineth community is freaking out about this rule because yeah. you can move in both of our turns, right? And it's, you know, it's super yeah. hard to catch. Uh, one, shooting. Shooting spells. Easiest way to kill him. He's got a five-up save and a five-up shrug, ten wounds. Melts yeah. like paper. Um, combat, you just need to put multiple units and surround him as best you can. If you have a lot of models, he's going to struggle to get to the... He, he doesn't want to go to the other side of the board if you've got a whole lot of models because he doesn't have the damage output to deal with a lot of stuff. He's good at taking out small units, elite units, or taking out heroes. So if you've got, say, you're going against a Gitz army, you don't want him anywhere near that other side of the board because he's just going to melt to weight of dice mm. and he like he yeah he can move 12 inches in the hip in the shooting phase in your turn but if if he's behind your lines and then he's got to move 12 to get in front of your lines you can just surround him so just weight of bodies weight of dice is the easiest way to stop him um all that all the rat trap if you've got the rat trap <laughs> but the rat trap yeah. nice things yeah yeah no it's, it's just an interesting one because because again um it's one of the ones that people are freaking out like as an opponent people are either talking about severeth or they're talking about the law master i think no so the law seeker, no, the law seeker law, yeah law, law masters is, is the old um yeah. eldritch council hadouken same model <laughs> give or take but yeah. i'm sure lots of people are looking at this going why all the dawn riders and um yeah. and people probably got it in their starter box and they probably really haven't tapped into dawn riders they might have had something on the flanks to kind of steal objectives and that was probably what yeah. we were talking about in the early days right our, yeah. our early list discussions were talking about this stealing objectives pushing up forward uh you know screening but you know no one was really building a strategy around the Dawn Riders. So why yeah. why have you doubled down on, on, on Dawn Riders as opposed to more Wardens or Sentinels? And so, what, what are they bringing to the table? So Dawn Riders have the one thing that Luminat struggle with, and that is speed. Mm. So they move 14 inches. In Illumina, they're moving 14 inches before the game starts. And then if you know that you're taking first turn or that you're getting given first turn, you're then moving 14 inches again. So you've moved 28 inches before your opponent can do anything or if you've moved them up and then you can almost redeploy with them so you can create screens you can move out and create a screen further forward there's a lot of uses for them um i actually think they've got some of the best damage output especially against chaff so they've got the two bonus attacks when they flourish right so they go into a one wound unmounted model they get two extra attacks. If they go into a two-wound elemental model, they get an extra attack. They've got some metal weapons, so they can do mortals on sixes, the spell to do mortals on fives. So you yeah. put a unit of ten into, say, a unit of skinks, then the guys on top have three attacks each. The leader has, what, three attacks with his lance, four attacks with his sword, and the horses have four attacks each as well. You've suddenly got a lot of attacks to deal with these kind of units. And then you've also got the Dawnrider Lance. So the Dawnrider Lance is when you charge, you reroll ones to hit. So you're hitting on threes, rerolling ones on the charge. So you've got a lot of attacks, you're rerolling ones, you're getting across the board, you can deal with screens, with skinks, horrors, all of these thunder, uh, not thunderers, um, 
Argonauts. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, even when you look at cities, you throw them into Phoenix Guard. You can throw them into Iron Drakes. You can throw them into all these one-wound models that are, like, generally you're going to find hard to touch with the rest of your army and annihilate things. Because, Just because of the... Because, like, when, when I look at this War Scroll, right, like, I look at it initially and it's just like, eh, like, you know, oh, five, I mean, without without the bonuses, right, like there's five attacks total between the, the hooves, the swords, and the lance, right? Yeah. Um, you've got, you know, you're hitting on threes, wounding on fours, one of your attacks has rend, and they're all damage one. So yeah, you're but, looking really as, like, a weight of, weight of dice before you start yeah. doing things. Yeah, yeah. So on the charge, they get the extra rend. And also plus one to wound. So the lances are then wounding on three is minus one rend. Plus two in the mortal wounds. So that's where you're starting to get the damage. They're, they're like any cavalry unit. They're good on the charge. Sure. But they're one of those units that also have the shining host. So you can have them set up in a shining host and then minus one to hit. So if you're using them as bodies as a screen, you've then got a big screen of horses that are minus one to hit. With the with the free game move from uh, uh, Aluminia, um, do you find that you put them on the side, or you try to bait your opponent by putting them out in the flank and try to force a deployment, and then you almost like early game you kind of switch out? And by the way, guys, if you can hear the shower noise, apologies. Um, Hayden's partner, you can watch her <laughs> only fans. Uh, look up Jess, Elf Bro Jess. Um, if you hear the shower noises. But um, yeah. like, is it the is yeah. it the speed that is? Because um, I guess the speed ride is going to help you with the charge. Like you're going to be able yeah, to. Yeah, these, these things get across the board either way because speed of fish doubles their movement. So then you've got 28 inch moving dawn riders anyway. Yeah. So like, there's there's even if you sit them back and then you sit them behind your lines, if you know that they're going to come at you with, say, and put a unit of horrors in front of you, you can then go, okay, well, I can move whatever's in, whatever's there out of the way, and then the Dawn Riders can come in and hit them, you know, or or they can go around your lines and go through. So there's lots of, there's a lot of speed in this list. Uh, speed of Hish is probably the most useful spell in this list for me, personally. Why... Why the three units? Because obviously you could flip them into two units of 10 or you could have four units of five. Board coverage. So it's two to three units in the battalion. Okay, so you're building around the battalion. So you, you're not yep. going any more than three because you want to keep within the battalion. But yep. why you, why not go like two units of, of 10? Board coverage. So you can go, go to objectives. That That's the reason. Because everything else in the list other than Sebrath is six-inch move. Mm. so generally the other stuff is taking its time to get there if there are say especially in stuff like scorched earth if they're castling up it gives you the ability to go okay well i'm gonna send this unit dawn riders over here this unit dawn riders over here and then the unit 10 can go and go and get into combat and the rest can just slowly move across the board and do its thing um i they've just got a lot of utility for me like aos is a movement game more than anything else um so that is where this works for me. Um, this list also works really well in Helon as well with the Helon command ability, which is after a unit fights in the combat phase, it can move and make a normal move. 
So you send a unit 10 Dawn Riders in, you use the command ability, with, say they've got speed of hitch on, cool, they're moving 28 to get into combat, they fight, and they're moving 28 again after the combat phase. So there's, there's lots of movement with Dawn Riders, which is why I like them. Um, because there is not a lot of bodies in a Lumineth list, uh, well, especially in this Lumineth style of Lumineth list, there's not a lot of bodies. I was just looking at the rules for your ballista. I know we've already kind of talked yeah. a little bit about the ballista, but how important or have you, how beneficial have you found the blinding bolt, which is Not the very, once per battle, which is yeah, once per battle subtract. It's literally only for your turn. Um, it, it's okay if you want to shoot across multiple units and that works because you then go, okay, well, I'm going to use an eighth of quartz to be hitting on twos or, or re-rolling ones or whatever, and then I'm going to shoot three separate units and give all three units minus one to hit. So you, you need to go in and go, okay, well, I'm, these whatever I'm hitting normally hits on twos or threes, and you want to make sure that what you're hitting can't hit back very well, you're going to shoot multiple units and give them multiple minus ones to hit. When would be a good time to use a rule like that? Because I'm just rereading it and it says, yeah, uh, it says the unit is dazzled until the end of the turn. So it's not like it, it, it goes into your next shooting phase or the next yeah. hero phase, which is often like when we cast a spell, it like the effects last until the end of yeah. the next, you know, you, until your next turn. Yeah, but it only lasts till the end of the turn. So when when's a and good time to start tapping into a rule like that? Whenever you need, your, you need to commit hard. So if you're committing really hard into something and, say, sending all of your Dawn Riders into, say, two or three units, that's when I'd use it to go, okay, well, I know that I'm not going to take very much in the trade because I'm or I'm making it so it's I'm taking less in trade back. Yeah, because um, you'll fight twice. Because you'll fight twice, two, like two units, yep. so you'll get yep. to fight twice. And then in addition, you get the minus one to hit. Um, yep. So it's making it even harder to get the return back. Yeah, that's it. So that's generally the only time it's really useful. Um, or if you need to commit on an objective and you say you, want, you need to hold that objective that turn and you're worried about losing the fight, you can go, okay, well, I'm going to shoot that unit to give it minus one to hit. Say on something like um, uh, Knife to the Heart, for example. Like you can go, okay, well, I'm going to shoot the unit that's on the objective. I can't leave the objective and I need to kill that unit. So you just there's lots of uses for it, um, but it's when it's almost like uh, when you are when you need to commit the most is when you want to use that minus one to hit. Otherwise, it's not super useful just because it's only for your turn. Yeah, I think that's the key. Like if it lasted until the end of the battle round or until your next turn, probably be way more powerful. But uh, as an opponent, I'm glad it only lasts for a turn, not yeah. for a full battle round. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about this this endless spell because again, I haven't had a lot of experience. I haven't seen a lot of people yeah. taking Lumineth endless spells, and when they do, it's the twin it's stones. the one. Yeah, it's, it's the twin stones. stones. It's, it's yeah. the twin stones. People are always taking the twin stones. Uh, most people I see this sanctum. That's the that's the um, the circle thing, right? The, yeah. the wall. Yeah. People are using that to base their friggin' shrine just to put more support. Yeah. Like a, I think you were one so, of the people that kind of showed me that idea. But talk to me about this sanctum. Like why, what, what does this bring to the table? Because it's got a whole big block of text here. Yeah. So when it's cast, 
it surrounds the wizard, okay? So it has to be around that wizard that casts it. It can't be, I'm going to cast from this guy and put it around this unit here. It is only the wizard that casts it. Um, your That endless spell then gets the rules as an endless spell as well as becomes the war scroll of the wizard that cast it. So you're then your base of your wizard becomes the outside of the sanctum, which, which is fantastic. Which is like what? 160 mil is it bigger is yeah. it bigger than a more crusher base it yeah it's the same as the, uh, the more crusher and the tackle size base that is the size of it so we're looking so at like then, a massive pie plate yeah you're looking at a pie plate and then say you're using protection of hitch you're then measuring from the outside of that if you're using command abilities you're measuring from the outside of that it also gives you minus one to hit and plus one to your save Because it's yeah, it's a seed draw gives you subtraction minus yeah. one to hit and a plus one to a save. Yeah. So, so who I are you? That, who are you? Yeah. Who are you wrapping this around? The Lord Regent, because he's moving with the Dawn Riders. So then yeah. he's on a two up save and he's minus two to hit. Can he fly? No. So how does the but pie plate then come into play? Because I guess one of the benefits of like a more Crusher or an Alariol, which is on a big pie plate, is that they've got fly, so it makes them a bit more maneuverable around the table. Does because that then become a massive pain? No, because generally you're moving him to support your Dawn Riders. And then if you're supporting your Dawn Riders because he's near them, he can be near all three units without having to be near them, if that makes sense. Because of, so the, because can, of the large base, like you've all yeah, of a sudden it's a lot easier correct, to spread yeah. those abilities. And he's a lot harder to kill because he then goes to a two-up save with minus two to hit. <laughs> so he becomes very... Very hard to kill. Uh, the Siari Pommel, which is the artifact, gives him an extra Aether Quartz because one of his rules is while he has an Aether Quartz, he is minus one to hit and he also has plus one to cast. I, I was literally about to ask you where are you getting the second minus, minus one to hit. So it's from the Sigil and then the, uh, was it the Allegi Allegiance ability? No, so it's the, um, it's on the Venari Lord Regent's War Scroll. Gotcha, War Scroll. Um, yeah. And if he's within range of the of if your dawn riders, he could could he benefit from lookout, sir? Yes. <laughs> so you could you could be up to a minus three to hit if you are keeping up with your dawn riders. You've got your sigil and you haven't burnt your aether quartz, yeah. or you've got an aether quartz in reserve. Because yeah. he moves fourteen as well, so he's keeping up with them. And the the big thing with him as well is that his spell on his war scroll is he picks D three units to give greater blessing of hish so d3 units to go okay they're mortals on fives mortals on fives mortals on fives so then the the dawn riders can use the spells that are on their war scroll instead of having to use the power of hish yeah i was going to say because we kind of skipped over the the venari lord region um when we're talking about it like i'm looking at the war scroll now like he's got a three up armor save so uh, you know with the with that endless spell, it'll bring it down to a two plus. Moves fourteen already. Only has six wounds, so it's a little bit. I mean, if yeah. you can get the magic through, or you got some range mortal wounds that aren't magic reliant, um, it could be a nice way. Like looking at you, um, Hurricanum, but you know, yeah. like six wounds is not a lot. Um, yeah. You know, you got the yeah. ability, as you said, the subtract one to hit rolls uh, and plus one to the casting when it comes to the greater power of Hish. Um, you unmodify hit rolls of sixes, inflict a mortal wound in addition, uh, and then obviously greater power of hish is the, the signature war scroll spell. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that he can do. Like, 
I forgot to change the spell. He shouldn't have Ethereal Blessing. He should have uh, Protection of Fish on him as well. Okay. Yeah. So that way he's keeping up with the Dawn Riders and Protection of Fish is measured from his pie plate. So he's the, everything around him has a five up shrug. So that, yeah, that so massive the, base with a with a five up shrug or five up feel no pain or a damage prevention yeah. roll that happens after the armor save um, with the massive pie plate. You know, again thinking about just how how because I play with more crushes, right? I play with things with really large bases, and you're surprised how big those aura buffs. You know, being wholly within X or being in range of a command ability, even if it wasn't your general and you've just got a, a generic command ability that has a six up, uh, sorry, a, a six inch range on those big pie plates. That's that's a massive, yeah, massive. It makes it, it makes a big difference. Um, and the fact that you can have it on there, or you have it on the Caligrave, who's generally sitting in the um, in the sanctum, uh, means that you go, okay. Well, I need to cast it up here. I need to protect my Dawn Riders, or I can cast it back here and protect my uh, stuff that's on my home objective, which is generally where the um, the sanctum's going. So um, okay. the stone the stone guard are in the list because they are the best anvil unit in Lumineth. Um, and, and when you say and when you say anvil, just just to just to clarify die. for people. Okay, so so die. you you put them on the objective, or what do you what do you do to, so to make the most list, of these guys? I use them aggressively in this list. Um, that's why transporting Vortex is in there, because I teleport them across the board. And then these four-inch moving things that don't die are suddenly on their side of the board, potentially on an objective, generally in cover. So you've got 20 wounds sitting in cover, ignoring Rend 1 on an objective. Makes them hard to kill, you know. Um, so you're not us- you're not using them as a traditional anvil of sitting them in your backfield or sitting them on an objective or sitting on the protector protector hero. You're actually throwing them up the board, but then using that super durability, almost like what Nurgle does. Nurgle kind of flies yeah, exactly. up your line, and then with that durability, just kind of pins you in your your home field, yeah. denying yeah. you from objectives as long as possible. Yeah. It, it it depends what I come up against. If I come up against a, like an alpha striking army, then they sit in front of the entire army, and then Whenever they hit me, they're hitting Stone Guard. So then I'm not super worried about them dying, and I can hit back over the top with the with the wardens. Because once so an example would be so an example would be like super fast, um, like Iron Jaws, Iron Sons, or you know Beast Claw Raiders, or some type of like super fast hit you in turn one. Nurgle, another example, like Black Kings, just run up and smash you in the face. You'll put them up to almost castle or protect the rest of your bodies. Yep, and then the wardens literally sit behind them. And because the ones have a three-inch reach, if they hit the front line and the stone guard, the ones go cool, and they just hit back over the top without being able to be hit. And they generally twenty wardens are generally killing anything that the stone guard are in combat with because there's forty attacks with mortals on sixes, potentially fives. But then, in, but then, if you don't have this type of um, opponent, you can throw them up the board uh, again and using put, transporting. Yeah, put them on an objective then they're hard to shift once they're on that objective. They have to commit a lot to take them off that objective, which then allows the rest of the army to go and do what it needs to do. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. While they kind of start shifting their forces towards potentially your stone guard or ignoring your stone guard, then, you know, you, you I guess the speed of the Dawn Riders is then adapting. Um, and then it means you've got your wardens in the back, like you're kind of just like slowly moving forward or slowly yeah. protecting yeah, an objective. It. Yeah, so especially the 10 wardens are generally sitting around the uh, the shrine, protecting, giving whatever's in the shrine lookout, sir. Because it's garrisoned, so they still get lookouts, sir. Which is stupid. Yeah, that, it's the way the way the uh, rules are written. So I said it. I said it. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. So they're, um, they're minus one to hit from being garrisoned, and then minus one to hit again from lookout, sir. So, yeah. <laughs> if you if you were to change this list, because I'm conscious that you know, like obviously, there's going to be iterations of this. Uh, before we move on to your sire list, is there any modifications, any alterations? You know, you mentioned the twins earlier. You've mentioned, yeah. um, you've mentioned the law seeker. You know, is there any modifications that you might tweak? Um, I've written a few different versions of this, um, where especially after the FAQ dropped, I dropped Severeth um, because uh, the fact that his movement in the opponent's turn was legitimized. I was like, don't really want to do that. Um, it's a bit. Of, it's a bit of a feels bad. It's a bit of a feels yeah, that's bad. It's um, it, it, it's an end. It, I'm all about trying to avoid NPE or non-player engagement, um, and that is very unengaging. Is having this thing that can kill your army and you can't catch it, just move away from you in your in your turn, um, and then Manford dropped. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm putting him back in. Um, there you go. You justified your decision. Yeah, um, and but there's other lists where I have uh, more ballistas. There's a list where I have another five stone guard and um, a law seeker in there instead of the Calligrave uh, and the extra wardens. Um, there's a few different tweaks. There's um, I really love 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 the twins. Um, there's there's a list where I've taken Sabrath out and put the twins in. Um, they just the twins don't add enough to the list for me personally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like like season for Tasty, guys, if you only want to run, you know, one unit of Dawn Riders and drop the battalion or who knows what happens with battalions in the future. But I think, you know, fundamentally we've kind of seen um, – we've kind of seen how we're tying in some of the benefits, especially when we're tapping in the ability for the pre-game move in addition to the speed of the Dawn Riders, yeah. in addition to the free CP that you can use when you're sitting on um, the terrain piece yeah. and the fact that the uh, the um, Illumina um, command ability doesn't have a range all of a sudden that, you know, yes, you might be far away from the, the, the force, but at least you can use a, a, a table-wide command ability. So we're kind of seeing the connection of the dots here. There's a, there's a lot, and like we said at the start of this, going through this list, this list is all about movement. So regardless of what's going on with the changes in the new edition, if you want a quick-moving army, like you can move the Wardens up, if you want a screen to move up, there's, there's lots of options that you can do with this. Um, but it is all about movement. There's not a... There's no obvious hammer in this list. So there's no big, I'm just going to destroy everything. And there's no, like, Archaeon. There's no more Crusher. There's no Stonehorn in this list. There's no unit of six Gorbrunters in this list. There, it's a control to go to go to the magic. It's a blue control army. 
but but your Lord Regent probably is such a fundamental piece to this list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, it's not yeah. like it's not Archeon. Like you kill Archeon and the whole thing collapses. Yes. Yeah. You know, but, he, but but the the fact that you know your Arch Regent is going to get the bubble with the endless spell, which is then going to buff your Dawn Riders. Yeah. So you take yeah. down the six wound Lord Regent. You've it sucks, reduced. You can, you've, you've reduced it significantly, but you're not out for the count. Yeah, exactly. You can you can still operate without him. He he's there and he's in a nice buff, but he's not. If he dies, you're not out the window. Like if Archeon dies. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So you've got the other list, which is your Great Nation of Sire. Um, I hate goading arrogance. I'm just gonna. Put that <laughs> passion so yeah, you've got people do. cool things here right and like to me this is why sire is like number one at least yeah. right now like it might change in the future but even just when i look at the, the gleaming brightness ability where you sire units get two eighth of court reserve instead of one you know the depleting reserves you really start to double down on the eighth of course abilities and then goading arrogance like is, is this like the number one reason why no. people are picking sire goading or arrogance it is so obnoxiously Annoying. good. Annoying. It is so obnoxiously good. Um, the fact that so for, don't for, for, be... anyone, for anyone who's not on the podcast, I'll just read it out just for, just in case you don't have yeah. your battle term in front of you. But goading arrogance at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy hero within six inches of this general. Okay. All right. So yeah. general... Uh, uh, I'm going to pick something within six inches. It has to be a hero, not a unit. just has to be a hero. Cool. I get it. Yep. That enemy hero can only target this general in that phase. Okay. Yep. All right. So I've got to, so I've got to, it's like a challenge. I've got to fight. Like Hayden challenges yep. me. I've got to fight Hayden, right? Cool. I get it. In addition, uh, I get, you get to add plus one to the hit rolls that target me. Okay. That yep. makes sense, Hayden. Um, my Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, my Mega Gargant, my my uh, Arcanon, Mega, you know, whatever it, whatever it is, like some hero, yep. right? Some combat monster. I'm coming at you, Hayden, with your Elf Bros. This all makes sense so far, but why is it so hated? Connect the dots for me. I I, I know, but I want to connect the dots here for the listener. Because if your general is hiding behind a screen of wardens or stone guard and you pile in three and you can't fight the general, you just don't get to fight. Because <laughs> I have to fight you. So if you challenge yep. me, you know, with the with the goading arrogance, I can only fight you. Yeah, and only, it's I can not only fight that hero. All, you, the general doesn't have to be in combat. He just has to be within six, not wholly within six. It's just cool. If I'm within six inches of you, cool. You have to fight me. Oh, sweet. You can't get around my screen or over my screen to fight my general. Sweet. You don't get to fight. And then all of the stuff that I have in front of my general gets to hit you. And they have plus one to hit. <laughs> I imagine this is a really bad time for somebody who's like uh, got a large base. Archeon, more Crusher, Stonehorn. Marathi. Because even, because, you know, because these things, even though they can fly, right? Because that would be the first thing I would think of. It's like, right, I can just fly over your screen. Cool story. But Until you what? have units of wardens and stone guard in front that they can't land. Well, that's that, that's what I was I was that's where I was going was that yeah. the, the base size is so large that you you can't jump the screen. So if you are like a thirty two or a forty mil base, maybe a fifty mil base, and you can fly and you're a hero, then you probably with some with the right positioning, you probably could flip the the screen. Yeah, probably. 
But for most things that you're thinking about, which is, again, these big bases, they just literally cannot jump over the screen, yeah. which then denies them a combat, yeah. which then means that in their next hero phase or the next turn, they're going to have to retreat out just to get back in the position. Yeah. So this this is my anti-Marathi. I, I run Sire specifically because of Marathi because I saw, I think it was Pat Carter do it at the first Brizhammer. And I was like, that is offensive. I love it. <laughs> um, so, because I had no answer to Marathi. I just couldn't think of how I would deal with her. This is when uh, Corey was running the band, Queen's Bandit, whatever it was. Uh, and Daughters were the big bad enemy before all of this new stuff came out. Um, Marathi still sucks to deal with. But the fact that you can turn off Archaeon, and especially because Archaeon is 800 points of someone's army, mm. if they're throwing at you and you go cool you can't fight good luck <laughs> and a lot of armies a lot of army lists have some type of big bad on a big pie plate or you know yeah. 110 130 mil whether yeah. again i mentioned the vampire lord and zombie dragon a stone horn and a more a more crusher or some type of uh, even a free guild general on a griffin right they've all got quite large bases yeah. um that's it so i mean there's there's lots of things that this guy takes out of the equation and even if you don't have them in combat it makes people think okay i can't come within six inches of this so i have to go and then you're just literally blocking out a what a 12 inch space of the board where this model can't come if it wants to get into combat so it, it then becomes a null space for those those heroes or those characters those uh, hey. monsters so so it's probably worth noting that is the general trait, right? So it's only yes. on the general. It's not on every hero. So yeah. you are either putting a target on the general's head. You know, I've got to remove this. I, I can't be in a position of goading arrogance. Yeah. Um, or you're creating this, this no-fly zone um, yeah. anywhere near this general because yeah. people just don't want to be tagging yeah. units and you can position, you can, um, you know, use that to your advantage for the rest of your force. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's a trait. It's not even a command ability. It's the trait. So you're not spending CP to do this. It just happens. Yeah. How <laughs> how how would this come to play with something like um, Reapers of Vengeance, for example, where you've got a six inch pile in? Is that and you know it, it, like that, blood, that's blood the way to get around it. Fly. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. like is that is that probably yeah. one of the few examples where yeah, you probably could get around pile it. In. Anything with a six-inch pile in, you're generally getting around it because it is at the start of the combat phase that it happens. Um, it's the same. It's the same way that you get around like Dick in turn three and all that kind of jazz. Like anything that allows you to get around stuff that happens at the start of the combat phase, that's how you're going to get around it. Um, yeah. Even if you start outside of six and then pile in, so you're within six, then it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. Um, the only yeah. It, it, there's lots of ways to get around it, but at the same time, on the right hero, it's hard to stop. Yeah. No, no, no. I just, I just wanted to call that out because it's not, it's yeah, not yeah. invincible. It's not invincible, folks. Um, yeah, there are ways to get around it. Yeah, but but, it's but just in most one of situations, the super strong. Yeah, yeah, it's but. good. Um, which then go kind of ties into the list, right? You know, you've yeah. got yourself um, <laughs> techless. And I remember, again, when we caught up 12 months ago, you know, one of the big conversations we had was, was techless a trap? And that was a really big conversation that people were having online is, is 660 points with techless a trap? 
So I'll, yes. I'll get your points in a minute. Of, oh, shh, don't ruin Christmas. Like we've got Teclas <laughs> in the list, right? You've got 660 points yeah. in Teclas. You've got your Cathala. 12 months yep. later, I can actually say Cathala. I think I was saying like Kalatha. I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> so 12 months' time, you'll be able to say Illumina? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can say it. I can say it. I just want to keep saying aluminum. aluminum. Um, so you've got your Cathalar, which is your general, goading arrogance, perfect blade, and total eclipse. You've got something that's quite interesting here. You've got your Eidolon of Mathlan, um, which is the aspect of the sea. That is the yeah. combat. That's oh, combat Eidolon from... It's the casting wizard. Oh, it's a spell one. Storm is storm is combat. Yeah. Sea is caster. Yep. Yes. You got yourself um, 10 Wardens, 10 Wardens, 5 Dawn Riders. You haven't got any Sentinels. Interesting. You got yourself 10 Stone Guard, 5 Stone Guard, 5 Stone Guard. You've got yourself two Endless Spells, one being the Umbral Spell Portal, the other being the Twin Stones, coming yep. in straight on 2000 on the dot. Yep. So many questions here. I, I, I asked you about Teclas being a trap. Let's go to that one yep. first. Yeah. So to put where do you stand with Teclas? Yeah. Um, I took this to Brizhammer Kaoni. So this, I went three and two with this list. Um, if I remember to use a move a unit of wardens, I would have gone four and one. Um, but was running out of time, forgot to move the wardens, and Dino's a really good player. So I lost by one point. Don't don't bring excuses to my yeah. my uh, my channel. So <laughs> look, you know, yeah. it's 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 yeah. it's, a, it, it, it's a tournament. This is a tournament yeah. practice. It's a list. tournament. Yeah, it's a tournament practice list. Um, it's an out of the box list. Um, I came up against KO, I beat KO, came up against uh, the Lumineth mirror, the Teclas Lumineth mirror match, which was interesting, uh, the Teclas off. Um, I lost to uh, Hallowheart with the 20 Iron Drakes, and I lost to uh, a Hidden Knights of Slanesh list, which is Dino's list, um, with his uh, Fiends and all that jazz. Um, there's... This list is more of that NPE-style list. It is built around negging out your bravery and the Cathala or Teclas using the signature spell, so the uh, dark, the darkness from the Cathala or crippling vertigo from Teclas, which is rolling against your bravery. So Teclas has the, uh, can use Voice of the Mountains, which is minus two to your bravery. Then the Eidolon has a spell which is D6 units, minus one to hit, minus one bravery. Right. The we're, starting stack, then, we're starting to stack bravery. Yeah. You can be minus three or minus four to your bravery. And then you're rolling those against bravery on 2D6 to go, okay, can you do can you move, shoot, fight, charge? You know, if I roll higher than your bravery, you can't do that. So you've got potentially two balakors a turn. So you're talking about just just so that's coming from one's coming from the Cathala that you're yes. you're making. So you, so right. just because I, I just want to connect the dots here again. Yeah. So you you're doing a whole bunch of bravery debuffing, whether it's going to be using the um, the Aether Quartz to then throw back the minus to the bravery from yep. the Cathala ability. Yeah. Um, you're also getting next next to the bravery from. Voice of the Mountains, which is a spell from the Lore of the Mountains, because Teclas okay. knows all the laws. Yep. So, so, so you can so we can pull a spell from the spell law to yeah. in, to increase another negative to minus, a bravery characteristic. 
Yep, so minus two in the turn that it's cast, minus one in the subsequent turns until your next hero phase. Yep. So if yep. you take the first turn of the battle round, minus two, and then until your next hero phase, which is potentially two turns, the minus one stays around. Then you've also got the Eidolon, his signature spell, which is Tsunami of Terror, D6 units within 12 inches, minus one to hit, minus one bravery. So that's actually what was going through the spell portal and not Teclas's bomb. Because normally, if you... yeah, because Teclas's Teclas, like we were saying before, Teclas is on such a big base that sometimes you don't need to actually use the spell portal to hit stuff. So by putting the minus one to hit, minus one bravery through the spell portal instead, you're making your list more survivable by having multiple units of theirs on minus one to hit, minus one bravery as well as then spreading out that bravery debuff even further. And then when you start bringing in the Cathalars, uh Darkness of the Soul, that you're, you're getting them to roll 2d6 and you know uh, every yeah. time they want to move, make a charge, shoot, or fight. And because you're manipulating the movement character, so the movement, the, the bravery characteristic. So unlike when, when we start talking about Battle Shock, where you know you get your bravery, you know, by having one in every ten models, you're never modifying the characteristic. You're just getting a plus because yeah. of the banner, because of yeah. ten models, because we're we're tapping into the characteristic. If I have a bravery of seven, for example, or six. Um, and you're putting a minus one, minus two, minus three to the characteristic. Minus four. That, or, or minus four. Yeah. What, minus million. <laughs> bring it, bring it endless spell, the you know, shards yeah. or something to it. Like, the point yeah, is, the, is that. The Horogast was another choice. The point is, is that, you know, a bravery seven, you know, or even a bravery 10, if you can bring it down yeah. four to six, you've got to roll under six on a 2d6 in order to move, charge, shoot, yeah. fight, um, yeah. which can be which can be brutal, right? It can be brutal. Yeah. And did you say there's a second version of that? So you've yeah. got your Cathala so, who has one? And then the other one is in the Law of the Mountains. It's called Crippling Vertigo. It stops the movement side of things. It doesn't stop you from shooting or fighting, but it stops you from moving, charging, or piling in. And that's where you you got your uncle spell portal as well, being able to at least extend what I imagine is darks a darkness of the soul, which is you know they yeah. they seem like a power pair that almost everyone's kind of taking, but the yeah. the cathalar and the spell portal being that darkness of the soul is only range what eighteen, but it really allows you to get what up to almost thirty or or yeah. forty inches when you know because you yeah. set up one one umbral spell portal and then yeah. is it within six or something, and then it's another eighteen. Um, yeah. From the second, I always, I always forget the rules because Cities of Sigma plays yeah, so a different it, game. It has to, yeah. Well, the other thing to point out is that I wrote this for Brisshammer Chaotic, which we knew was being played in Ulgu, so we knew that we could set the spell portal up anywhere on the table. So that that went into building this list. Um, but even still, even like every even still, uh, yeah, to- yeah, yeah. Tournament lists still have yeah. this being run. Yeah, exactly. So the spell portal sets up within one inch. Oh sets up within nine or eight, whatever it is, but w- the You've got unit cast. casting You've through got... it has to be within an inch. Correct. You've got to be within yeah. an inch of the umbral spell portal to cast through yeah. it. Yeah. They can only cast one spell through the spell portal too. So Correct. it's not like you yeah. sit next to Teclas and then throw four spells yeah. out. And you also um, have to declare that you're casting through it. Yes. Because yes. there was there was a situation that we had that they went to cast a spell f- through it, but the spell didn't go off. So like, yeah. okay, well, that didn't go through it, so I'm going to try and cast another spell through it. You, 
if you say it's going through it, that's that's it. Regardless of whether it goes off or not, that's that's it. All right, so your Cathalar is going to be throwing out this, the darkness of the souls through the spell portal. You've got yep. the lore of the mountain spell that's going to allow you to do a similar, not the same, but a similar version of that, yep. tapping into those minuses to the, the the bravery. And as you said, doubling down, you could get one of the forbidden power endless spells that also causes a minus one to bravery as well. So, you know, you've got yep. more abilities if you want to tap into that. But Yeah, that's it. Is, the... the is, yeah, the Eidolon. Like, I just want to talk about the Eidolon. Yeah. Like, is that is that just for the signature spell to get the bravery debuff? Or like, why would you spend it's... 300 points on an ally? Movement. So the uh, the uh, the way that you can change this is you can drop the Eidolon and drop the Twin Stones and put a Valinor in the list. There's an instant swap there. You've then got another minus one to hit from his bubble, yada, yada, yada. Um, I like the Eidolon because what this list lacks is speed, um, Eidolon moves 12, it can operate on its own. It's got a five up shrug built in. Uh, it's a two cast wizard that can re roll its casting and unbinding rolls. Um, and it benefits from Teclas's aura because Teclas's aura is friendly models, not Lumineth models. So it you, gets plus one. Do you really need this though? Like, because obviously you spent 660 points on Teclas. You've now, when you add the Eidolon I, in. You're at a thousand points essentially, just in two models who are wizards. Yeah, I wrote this as an out of the box thing because I wanted to take something different, uh, and then I found it actually works quite well. So that's just out of sheer luck that it was. <laughs> it works well. Um, the the fact that it's in Sire as well is what makes it work fantastically because you've got the two Aether Quartz on stuff. You can protect Teclas a lot. Because against KO, you can go, okay, well, I'm going to give him plus one to save, and then I'm going to use a command point and give him an extra plus one to save, so he's now plus two to his save. He's on a two-plus save. He's He can tank a lot more than normal. Um, so uh, if it wasn't in Sire, I don't think this list would work as much. And, and I'm not saying for any 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 second hater yeah. that um, that the, the, the Eidolon is a bad choice. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting it's, choice. It's... Yeah, it's, it's meant to be different, and that's the whole point of this list, is it's meant to be different. Um, the fact that it moves 12 and can fly, it means it, it plays a similar role to Severeth in the other list, that it can operate on its own, it can go out there, it's got a 5-up shrug, it's got a 3-up save, it's survivable, it heals D3 if it doesn't re-roll re a casting roll, it can cast a spell to heal another D3, so you're potentially healing 2D3 a turn on it. It can go out there and operate on its own without having to be near anything. That's why I went with the Eidolon. Because I imagine can... I imagine a lot of people aren't touching this. Like when I look at this, people are probably thinking priority number one is take down Teclas. Or yeah. if they've experienced a Cathalar before, take down the Cathalar. And I imagine yeah. that the Eidolon gets ignored a lot. Yeah. Yes, it does. But it, it's got an okay like combat profile. Like it's got a... Sh shooting attack at Ren 2. Like, it, it's got a lot of tools. It's not like the the aspect of the Storm, which is great at what it does, and it's great mm. at combat. It's a utility piece. It's good at a lot of things. It's not great at anything. But the fact that it benefits from Teclas and he's giving plus one to cast and ignoring spells, like en enemy spells on a four-up, um, that's where it comes into play. 
because he doesn't he doesn't care about protection of techless because he's got his own five up shrug mm. so like he, he cares about the ignoring spells on a four up and the plus one to cast because generally he's the one throwing out the spell portal because he's got pl- they've got plus one to cast and re-rolling casts so you're generally getting it off and you're not having to waste a spell from one of your lumineth units to get the spell portal out do you find that the Eidolon supports the Dawn Riders well, or do you act them almost yeah. independently on flanks, or do they okay. or are they like a little power pair? So the Dawn Riders in this list are because I didn't want to pay another 10 Wardens, but if I didn't have these guys in there, I would have lost two of my games. So they, and it's exactly what we talked about before, they're great at stealing objectives. Um, I came up against a Flesh Eater Courts player who left a perfect gap for the Dawn Riders to string through, to get to his side of the board, and literally it was in Scorched Earth, exactly what we're talking about, and burn his objective, burn his objective. He can took out his arch regent in combat, and that was game. You can see it there. Like it, they are just that sneaky, just going to take that objective. Um, and the Eidolon does the same thing because, like like you said, people generally ignore it and try and go after Teclas or try and yeah. go after the other stuff. And he can go out and take objectives and do all that on his own while taking out small characters with his shooting and attacks while also casting spells and doing all of that. And he's on that three-up save. He can heal himself. Like, he becomes very tough to deal with. So. Why why is there no Sentinels? I think... This probably will be the biggest surprise, you know, in the Hayden conversation. And I imagine I haven't seen Jordan. I haven't seen Jordan's list yet, but yeah. I imagine, yeah. based on what I've seen on Seasons of War and Battle Reports, you know, a lot of the builds overseas are doubling down on wardens and sentinels, and maybe more sentinels than wardens. Um, but you've you've elected to avoid the shooting altogether. So I guess I guess the question is why no sentinels? Um, to me, they're and a crutch. They're, pardon? To me, they're a crutch. Plain and simple. They're very good at what they do for their points. And I want to play with different things. And this Hater is a different way of doing it. Hayden yeah. wants to play an AOS hard mode, basically. Yeah. Um, Sentinels are really good for their points. The fact they don't need line of sight and they just shoot over everything and they take out heroes at range. And like, like we said before, it's a non-player engagement experience well i'm glad you've got uh you've got the cathalar yeah. and techless there to to avoid those experiences yeah, right. I'm, I'm, right. glad you got, you, um, I'm glad you've got yeah. i'm glad you've i'm glad you're taking the moral high ground and drop but it's the different but it's different so and, and that's the thing like dealing with that is a lot easier than dealing with 60 sentinels across the table just shooting off your army in a turn or, you know, shooting off all your support, all your characters. I was going to say specifically yeah. the heroes. Like that's where yeah. people are going People yeah, are going hard it. on the Sentinels just to take down those uh, support heroes and then, yeah. you know, slowly move up their force. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like this this was meant to be a bit of a muck around list. I built it and expecting to go three and two, which is what it did. Um, you know, and it's a bit of fun. It's it's meant to be something different. And I put these lists forward because they are something different and there's a ways to play that aren't just the Sentinel Warden Oral and Legion, which we are seeing do very, very well. Yeah. And, and you don't have to keep justifying it, Hayden. Like we're, oh, we're yeah, yeah, I know. Like, I know. Like, like, 
You love giving yeah. me crap, and I love it. I, I'm I giving you crap. <laughs> and, like, uh, look, you know, if you if – you, what we're doing here is we're showing off different builds and, you know, I can exactly, go on the internet yeah. and pull any internet list, which is just getting all the Sentinels in the world, techless or no techless, but it's yeah. going to have the Cathlar, it's going to have the Umbral Spell Portal. Um, and, that, you know, that's why, you know, Hayden initially didn't want to show me the Dawn Riders list. I know he's been very passionate about Dawn Riders, but it's just showing you another way to build a list. And in three months' time, when the meta completely changes, tables might, might sh- shorten or expand, who knows? Um, all of yeah. a sudden, you know, the, the Archer build may no longer be the viable build and maybe it's now rotating yeah. with force. So it's always good to hear different options and different ideas and you pick what works for you. Um, yeah, but good. I do want to ask you maybe a couple more questions about this list um, yeah. before we start bringing it home. That's is good. the last list had the Stone Guard and they were our protectors of the garrisoned yeah hero um yeah. and you could use the the vortex to kind of teleport yeah. them around but in this list you've got three units you've got three units yeah. of of the stone guard one being 10 two being five yeah are you playing them in a similar role to protect techless um so they you obviously can't you you can't throw them around unless you're tapping into techless knowing the yeah. all the spells like what's the what's the deal here so there is substantially more in this list as you can probably see there, there's double the amount of stone guard in this list this list starts as a castle. Regardless of what mission you're playing, you're starting as a castle because you're protecting Teclas, you're protecting everything. The Dawn Riders are sitting behind. They're not really sitting in front or they're sitting out on a flank away from the rest of you. Um, you're protecting your three heroes and you're setting up that front line because your Wardens are sitting directly behind it and then whatever hits or comes close, you're then pushing back out against. Excuse me. Um and then you're using speed of hitch to try and get them across the board as well. Um, so they're there as purely the anvil because they don't really do much damage back. Um, they all have diamond pick hammers. I was a big fan of the stone mallets before. Um, yeah. I've changed that to the diamond pick hammers because one, time efficiency, um, rolling sixes to hit for double damage and then having to roll the wound roll takes a lot of time. Um, in a list where your hero phase generally takes a lot of time anyway, um, just trying to cut back on time, as well as finding that doing a mortal wound on a six is a lot more efficient as well. So, because normally the, st- the stone mallets do uh, two damage on the roll of a six to hit, whereas the diamond pick hammers are a mortal wound instead of damage. So then you're cutting down on time and you're, it, you still only rend one for damage two. With the with the sixes to hit doing double damage, mm. whereas if you come up against something that has a two up save, you can just hit over the top of that save with a mortal wound, which is a bit nicer. Um, this again because it was the chaotic event, I was actually expecting to see a lot of the knights of the empty throne. So this list was actually built to try and combat Archaon and knights of the empty throne. Oh, I mean, there was only ten Archaeons at the at the yeah, there's only ten, yeah. And I didn't I hit a single one. one. I got one. I got a Reapers <laughs> yeah. of Vengeance one. But yeah. um, what, what's making but, these guys super durable? Because they've only got, like, like, when you look at the base War Scroll, right, it's two wounds, yeah. four up armor save. Ignoring um, Rend 1 because they are Al- Alareth. So most things are Rend 1. You're ignoring their Rend. Because we're in Sire, they have two Aether Quartz. So you have two lots of giving them a three up save. They're in cover. You're giving them a two up save. 
so well, assuming you're going to be in cover, but like even with yeah. outside the cover, I think that that was the dot that I wanted to connect. Cause like when you yeah. look, cause I'm, I imagine people are looking at this going like, they're listening to you talking yeah. about the super durable and they're like, yeah. like, so, uh, it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's not Phoenix guard. Like there's no four up yeah. damage prevention. Like how yeah. on earth yeah. are you like, but yeah. all of a sudden you're connecting now. Yeah. The quartz. They're ignoring red one. And they're, if they're near Teclas, cause Teclas's war scroll spell is five up shrug to units within 18 instead of being nine inches like protection of ish. So you're around techless, you've got the five up shrug, you're ignoring spells on a four up, you're within the Cathalar range to shoot off the battle shock to other units. It just makes them stick around a lot longer, um, but they're just not really doing much damage back. But that's not their role. Their role is to stay around and not die. Talk to me about the twin stones. You're right. You're right. Like, like the the whole reason they're there is not to do damage. They're yeah. there to protect Teclas because, yeah. like, once you get into that juicy center, and that's why I used to use Phoenix Guard to protect my Hurricanum in in Hello Heart because once that juicy center is cracked, like Teclas or the Hurricanum and my little battle mages would never stand a chance against the double more crusher, the stone horns or whatever, whatever is coming at me in my face. Yeah, exactly. So having something durable is going to be critical, but talk to me about the twin stones. I really like the twin stones. When yeah. I reread them for emerging meta, like I could see why the they 30. were one of the top, they were one of the top endless spells chosen across the entire game for good reason. Yeah. So they're 30 points, which is crazy, <laughs> crazy. Um, Cast on, uh, cast on an eight, I'm pretty sure. Uh, seven, a, cast on a seven. seven. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and when you cast them, you put a counter down. That starts at one. When a spell's cast within 12, including itself, because it goes down and because the spell is cast within range of it, it straight away goes to two. Because <laughs> it's when the spell is resolved. Yes. So it, it goes down, the spell is resolved within 12 of the going down, so it straight away goes to two. And every time you cast a spell with a Lumineth unit within range, that counter goes up. You can spend a count the counters from a Lumineth unit to gain that many to cast, up to a maximum of six. Yeah, it's, ca- it's capped at six. Ca- it's capped at six. But whenever you use the counters to cast a spell, it'll just go, and it goes off, it just goes straight back to two. So it'll never be at one unless it, that spell gets unbound or it or you fail to cast with it. But, like, you have Teclas nearby who auto-casts four spells on a 10. So, cool. It goes to two, and then you cast Teclas's four spells and suddenly on six. <laughs> so which spells are you are you most... Obviously, it's situational and all of that, blah, blah, blah. But is there particular um, spells that you really want to get off by tapping into the Twin Stones? Darkness of the Soul and Total Eclipse. Okay. So yeah. total, total Eclipse is spend two CP for every command ability, board wide. Yeah. And Darkness of the Soul for the Cathalar because it casts on an eight. Yeah, and I imagine, yeah, the, the Cathalar, I, I thought it was either going to be the, the Cathalar spell or even the Umbral spell portal just because that can yeah. be so critical to so, get. Like, like if you unbind the Umbral spell portal, that can stop. Well, at least delay delay the impacts for a turn or two. Yeah, yeah, but the the spell portal is generally coming from the Eidolon, so the Eidolon doesn't get to use the the twin stones because it's only Lumineth units that get to yeah. use it. But the Eidolon's getting plus one to cast as well as rerolls. Yeah. Okay. So it, it it's 
you're more than likely getting the spell off anyway, regardless. Um, and if Spellboard doesn't go off, that's fine. Like, it, it's, it's a big part of the list, but there are other things you can do with it without the spell portal going up. Um, plus, Techless gets to eat a spell portal in the hero phase. So you use it, and then you eat them before your opponent can make use of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only downside to the Twin Stones is they are predatory on the spell, so they do get moved by your opponent mm. potentially as well. And you've got to be, because the spell, you only start moving the counter if spells are cast within 12. So if I take the second, I can move it outside of the 12 range and there's nothing you can do other than unbind and start yeah. the tokens again at, at one slash and, two. And, you have to, and then you have to cast it again. I mean, um, like when you've got tech, like you, you, you are bringing it back, which is casting yeah. a spell, but, um, but it's... Gen generally, you're casting it from the Wardens, though. So you're using an Aether Quartz on the Wardens to cast an extra spell, and they're the ones who are casting the Twin Stones. So that way, Teclas is free to cast his four spells once they're once the Twin Stones yeah, are well, up. I was going to say, if you really needed it, you'd throw it down with Teclas, but you don't want to spend... You don't want to spend one of those four valuable 10-plus yeah. casts on yeah. getting the Twin Stones you, up. You're always using Protection of Teclas, so there's mm. one, one slot already taken up. You're always generally using either, uh, like... In this list, you're always using Voice of the Mountains generally, unless you're coming up against like OBR or something like that that don't care about bravery or anything like that. Um, but then if you are in that matchup, this list is on the back foot anyway. Like, yeah. um, you, you're either using his signature spell to go and do damage out or something defensive. To I was going to say, you, you want the five up, feel no pain from to protect you from the double yeah, that, catapult yeah. potentially, which is what OBR is running at the moment. Yeah, um, so there's, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, something that I didn't realize was as strong as it is is Solar Flare and putting Solar Flare through the spell portal as well. So Solar Flare is pick a point on the battlefield. I was um, literally going yeah, to bring the rules up. I'm like, what does Solar Flare yeah. do? So Solar Flare is pick a point on the battlefield uh, 10 inches away from the caster. Here, uh, Wizards within 12 inches are minus two to cast. And if that point is on an endless spell, it gets dispelled. If it's on a unit, on roll a dice for each uh, model in the unit on a six, it's a mortal wound. Do you know what that kind of sounds like? That sounds a little bit like the Everblaze Comet. I mean, it's not mm. the Everblaze Comet, but like I take a hundred point endless spell from Stormcast for that type of ability to have a minus one or a minus two to casting and some chip damage mortal wounds. And and that's just on a war scroll or it's tap, it tapped into the spell law. Yeah, that's in spell law. Damn, Lumineth. Yeah, yeah but it, it's within 10, and your own models are affected by that as well. So Lumineth wizards are affected by the minus two to cast, which is why you generally try and put it through the spell portal, because that way it's away from you, and you're casting it right into the middle of there. Say you're coming up against Zench, and they've given you first turn. You go, cool, well, I'm going to put this in the middle of your army, and now all your wizards are minus two to cast. Yeah. I was going to say, it's already hard enough to cast a spell with uh, against Lumineth, let alone then you adding a minus, what, one or two to my casting. So it's kind of why I built lists about not casting or if I am casting, their little bonuses, not uh, key parts to the strategy. And I think coming up against you, yeah. Seraphon, Lords of Change, yeah, the Gashes, like, like I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than Hallow Heart, like, 
the guarantees yeah. of like my gits army for example i've been doing gits and i'm like mm-hmm. eh, i'm gonna really drop back my endless spells really drop back my spells yeah. because if i come up against you there's hundreds of points being thrown yeah. away that i just can't tap into the, the big thing to realize as well is if even if you do come up against a list like this with them super magic heavy on a four up units within 18 of uh, 16 of techless ignore it and they pick a enemy unit within 18 and do d3 mortal wounds to it yeah so like especially with ko who want to say have the spell in the bottle and want to throw down the rat trap cool you can do that if it's my entire army i can ignore it on four ups and then deal D3 mortal, like multiple D3 mortal wounds to whatever threw the rat trap at me. Which is, which is why like something like the Hurricanum. And if you're listening to this as an opponent, this is where things like the Hurricanum, for example, I love against Lumineth because it does a whole bunch of mortal wounds. It can do up to nine mortal wounds in the shooting phase that aren't a spell. So it's just a straight up ability. So I don't have to worry about it being thrown back at me or being unbound. Or Um, any minuses to hit because it's an ability. Correct, correct. So any way you can find those types of things, um, that will help you against something like Lumineth uh, or vice versa. If you are a Lumineth player, you're hearing that I've got a Hurricane and that's probably a priority number one to be putting the Cathalar's ability to stop me from getting uh, getting close to you to do those mortal wounds. Or the Iron Drakes that it's obviously supporting. As I well. don't take Iron Drakes. I'm not one of those <laughs> cheese merchants. I'm not a cheese merchant. <laughs> i'm not a cheese merchant i don't run i don't run the bridge and i don't run the iron drakes that's 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 aos easy mode um is there any way like if you were to drop the the eidolon in this particular list um where could you reinvest those points like would you put in a um, you put in more bodies i was going to say like would you bring more in a law seeker would you bring in sentinels would you oh, go more stone guard law seekers are great um, but they're going to be very... I think we're going to find them to be super swingy. Um, their ability is fantastic, but the fact that you have to put them on the other side of the table, anything with mortal wounds is just going to hit over the top and kill it. And there's so many mortal wounds out there that, like, cool, having a two-up save in cover is fantastic, but if they've got mortal wounds, it's a six-wound character, which is a named character. So you can't take artifacts, can't take traits. So you've you've got 160 points out there, which may or may not last a turn, which can be invested in five bodies or another support hero that can actually synergize with the rest of the army. Um, it, it's it's just one of those. What about Severus for the for 300 points? Yeah, but uh, you're losing the two casts. Which in that list and the, and the extra minus one hit and minus one bravery. I'm talking the about mo- if if we did drop the if we if we didn't oh, want yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah if somebody yeah. didn't want to buy um the item because yeah. they don't want to own um, it or like it put just in three doesn't... ballistas. Put in three okay. ballistas. You're gonna get the minus ones to hit from the ballistas shooting. You've got then more range threat, so you've got nine shots at minus what minus two D three damage. You can t- that you can shoot out across the board. Um, take three ballistas. You can take Severeth. Severeth kind of fills sort of the same role. Um, you can take a Velenor uh, and drop the Twin Stones. So if you're taking a Velenor, he fills that kind of hammer role. He fills the hammer role better than the um, Eidolon does, but because you don't have a Stone Mage, it's going to be bracketing. Yeah. So the stone, like, and then you'd have to look. Okay, well, do if I'm taking the stone mage, do I drop the Cathalar or do I 
try and fit in something else somewhere? Uh, or do I take your Metrica and make it the Stone Guard battle line? You know, and then, then you're having to play around with a lot more. Um, if there was anything that was going to be dropped out of that list, it'd be Techless. So 660 points of investment is still huge for what he brings to the army. Um, like I said last time, Techless is a trap. Um, he's, he's a big distraction card effects. And like the fact that you can take a Velenor and Severeth for the same amount of points. <laughs> I think in some matchups, he's just incredible value. In some yeah. matchups, he th you're throwing it away. I don't think Teclas is a trap. I think it, I think right now, it's not in, Nagash, in for example. It's not Archeon where every battle, there is incredible value coming out of these models. Yeah. I think in some matchups, the, the Teclas is just... It, eh? against, the, against the top table armies, which is realistically what you need to plan for, he doesn't give the value back that you're getting for those points. Well, I imagine KO would just like shoot him off the board. Yeah, KO shoot, KO shoot him off the board. He was left on one wound, yeah. uh, even though I double Aether Quartz him. Like he survived on one wound because, and that's only because he was next to um, Mystical Terrain. Right. Yeah. So would you like, super lucky to have gotten that off? Yeah. But exactly. Yeah. Like he. He melts because he's got a four-up save base. So, like, <laughs> it's one of those things that you just go, okay, well, what's what What can I do? Like, and against those top-tier stuff, he doesn't do very much because against Seraphon, he doesn't give the value back against Croak. Like, you're better off taking... Like, you can stop one of his spells. Mm. You don't stop all of his spells. Sure, you've got the four-up ignoring spells, but that's a 50-50 shot of ignoring the spell and bouncing back at Croak. And if someone's playing Croak and you've got Teclas, they're not going to put him up. They're going to keep him back, and they're going to do mortal wounds across the table at you. So you need to be able to touch Croak across the other side of the table, which is where you use Sentinels to shoot him off. But we don't. But we do know Croak is getting a new War Scroll, so who knows what that yeah, looks exactly. like yeah, uh, yeah. at the point of this um, recording. But I think the point, yeah, yeah. I think the point you yeah, make is point, very valid, right, yeah. is that... Is that Against the top tables, they probably have the tools to handle Teclas. So you yeah. hit the wall. So if you're looking to win a tournament, there's a good chance that maybe Teclas is not going to get you there. It'll get you three wins. It'll probably get you four yeah. wins potentially. But to get that five and O, oh, the the one that's going to get you the podium, um, maybe maybe as you've said, you've yeah. got a better investment of that seven hundred odd points or six sixty. Yeah, it's in it's, list deck. Yeah, you, it's still the Warden Sentinel base is yeah. the way to go with with Lumineth the way the way they are and the way that the meta sits at the moment. It's the core of Warden Sentinels and sprinkle your flavor around it. Um, and the the fact that Wind Mages now are added to it and Wind Mages have the teleport. Um, it's huge. Um, you now have shooting cavalry in the wind charges, which are fantastic. They're not their shooting's not great, but the fact is that they move fourteen, yeah. and they ignore terrain, so they're just moving across the table. They don't care about anything like that. So they're they're just off the charts with their movement, and they can in combat they ignore the core rule of having to pile towards closest model, and they can move three inches out of combat. 
Final yep. question is what are your thoughts on – because one of the models I got, I got really excited about with this particular release was uh, the Battle Standard Bearer, the old uh, – is it the Banner oh, yeah. Blade? The yeah, Banner Blade. Yeah. Banner Blade. Yeah. What's what's your take on the on the banner blade? Is that is that probably really good just around Warden Sentinel builds? Is this like yeah, what are your thoughts on this particular one? It'd be a very pretty model on your shelf. Really? Not like is there it, there's no real build for it at the moment? No, not at the moment. Not that I can see. Because it's it's giving you plus one bravery to your characteristic, but you have to center your entire army around it. Um, Lumineth struggle to take objectives if they are staying around that one space. It'll be cool to have maybe in the shrine, but then you mm. don't have a wizard in the shrine. Um, I like having a wizard in the shrine to make use of the rerolls if I need to. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just personal choice, I think. I'm just really looking yeah. at the wall scroll and like there's nothing there that I see. Like, yeah, cool. Like the really... sun, sun metal weapons, cool. I got once per battle thing, okay, but majority of the abilities, I'm like, eh, it doesn't really sound like nothing we've talked about for almost two hours has talked about you requiring a bravery boost. It's all been about yeah. debuffing your opponent's bravery, not about boosting yours. But but, but should Inspiring Presence change in the future, um, maybe this would be important. Yeah. Maybe. We don't know. Yeah, we don't it. know. But if they ever removed Inspiring yeah. Presence or Inspiring Presence became like plus two to your bravery as opposed to ignore Battle Shock, then yeah. then maybe um, getting plus one or plus three from the from the Banner Blade could actually be really valuable. I'd invest in a second Cathlar. <laughs> trying to find ways yeah. this could work. Like it's, a, it's such a cool yeah, model. Yeah, I know. It is such a cool model. But like there's think there's better toolbox units yeah. in the army. And, and that's the sad thing is that like – you can take a Caligrave for 100 points to do pretty much the same task that, you, that this Banner Blade is going to do at this point in time. Um, so, blade. yeah. And Poor even the Caligrave isn't really going to see huge amounts of I haven't seen one. Of, and I think this has been the interesting thing for me talking to you, Hayden, is that a lot of the things that you've talked about I have yet to see on the table. Most yeah. of my opponents that I've played against Lumineth have all been this w version one of Lumineth. And maybe it's because people are either not committed to buying into the release, they don't quite know where they want to put their dollars to, if they're just like slowly painting. I imagine this takes a long time to paint some of these detailed uh, models up. Um, yeah. But, you know, Fox and Lawseeker are the ones that people definitely talk about. But you've, you've brought to the table a lot of different ideas about the Ballista You've brought in, yeah. you know, the Wind Mage. You've brought in some different ideas to to maybe consider for for list tech, and I and I'm personally excited to to fight a different Lumineth because I've only ever yeah. fought, I've only ever thought Techless with Techless and Warden Sentinels or Cathalar with Warden and Sentinels. Yeah. So it's basically yeah. like Techless or no Techless. Like I haven't played anything yeah. outside of that. So um, Lumineth players get yeah. excited, get interesting with your list build. I'm sick of, I'm sick of. There are builds in this book, you guys. There are so many builds in this book, guys. Have some fun with it. Play around with it, and literally just enjoy playing with pretty models because they are very, very pretty. So <laughs> I look forward that... to stuffing you in my pants with my gargans. Anything that you've learnt along the way that you want to share before we wrap this up, Hayden? Um, generally, guys, just in, 
make sure that you're enjoying your games and take the fact that this is a game away from it. Have a fun experience for you and your opponent. So. I expected something different. That's not what I expected. Um, You are grown as a person, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Dickhead Hayden that I met in 2016 is no longer... Uh, he is aggressively average. He is a wrestling fan. He got retweeted by Ricochet. Uh, all things are on the up for Hayden. Uh, go check out his Mrs. Only fans. It is Elf Bro <laughs> Jess. Elf yeah, Bro Jess, you heard, you heard the shower stream as we were recording. I hope you all hung <laughs> out to the very Christ. end. Um, I did hear the shower, and then I'm pretty sure she brushed her teeth as well. I did hear the, the tap turn on in the bathroom. And I, I've been to Hayden's house a few times, so I know why why i heard those noises but <laughs> you are aggressively average uh do you want to give a shout out to your crew yeah, and if people want yeah. to talk to you hayden your twitter handle will be below you are yeah. indeed the elf bro yeah um so uh on twitter is elite for blue uh we've got aggressively average is our is our crew uh we are exactly that we love going three and two uh shout out to brody james scott and gavin the boys um yeah, that's pretty much it. That's that's where we're at. Hayden was in my team last year, well, two years now for the Runax. So oh, unfortunately, yeah, he he'll be going down this year. He's not in my team anymore. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, apparently, apparently we're Clanfield for light um, because Clanfield didn't get a ticket. So we've got uh, what welfare, Liam, myself, and uh, and Cam. So we're Clanfield for light. <laughs> And then ironically enough, I chose my three team members who are all now in the Australian team that got announced two weeks later. So uh, I got the eye for talent and all the pressure's on me, but I didn't apply for the Australian team, guys, uh, if you're wondering, like, what the deal is there. But uh, I've, my three of my teammates are all in the Australian team for the ETC slash the, the world. So pressure yeah. is indeed on. Yes, it will. We'll see how we, see how we all go. But... Uh... Hopefully, uh, the, the old record for us goes well because we haven't finished outside the top three yet. So no, no, indeed, and we'll we'll make sure we fill out our, our sheets appropriately this year. Yeah, but ha- thank you, Gang. Sorry, Hayden. <laughs> Hayden, this is a pleasure as always. Thank you for coming back on the channel. Hopefully, no between Thanks this show, me. this show, and the Jordan from Seasons of War, there'll be two ideas brought to the table in addition to the entire backlog of um video so hayden has done another video with me we had one with um liam burnett blue we talked all about the um the the stone mountain and and all of his friends uh and then martin orlando did another video so between all of these videos we've got five lumineth videos um we have a lot so you should get a good idea of, of of some different ideas to bring to the table but hayden always a pleasure let's bring this home thank you sir all right peace out I hope you found that discussion valuable. If you did, give the video the old thumbs up. And if you have a comment or an insight, leave it in the comment section below. The champions over here are my AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members. So you guys are bloody legends. Thank you for all the support. If you want to know more about the support programs, the links are below down here in the episode description, along with the link to the Discord server, so we can continue this conversation. Until next time, don't forget to name your characters and have a good one.